Welcome, podcast listeners, to Roll Radio, where each week we listen in as aspiring adventurers play the world's greatest role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons. Join us as we travel to far-off Faerun, where we discover the Sword Coast in turmoil and in desperate need of heroes. All right, is this on? This is on? Oh, all right. Hey, this is Phil. This is Phil Jones. I'm Phil Jones. I'm the intern, but I'm filling in for, um, you know, the announcer dude. Remember the announcer dude? Yeah, that dude, he's, uh, he's sick. Um, so, so what, I just read this? Yeah, Phil, just read it. All right, all right, cool. This is my shot, man, Phil the intern. All right, so anyway, previously on Roll Radio, our new and, you know, like, yet-to-be-named party, because, you know, they're just kind of struggling with that thing. Well, they they left their homeland of Cormier to begin their new lives of, like, awesome adventure. So their quest to find and help Sir Istival with goblinoids that are, like, plague in the Sword Coast. And their destination... Daggerford, dude. When 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 they arrived there, they found the city like totally overrun with refugees fleeing the goblinoid menace. And with Sir Istival away on business, they like took matters into their own hands, dudes, and headed into the Delimbeer Vale to search for answers, because that's what they needed, man. They had tons of questions. They needed the answers, dude. So first, their journey took them to the village of Jolkin. Remember that whole thing? And they were empty of its residents and, like, full of goblins. And after exterminating the foul vermin, they ventured to the ruins of a long-forgotten castle in hopes of finding a total fabled treasure. Like, awesome. And what they found, though, was a tribe of orcs, man, barely escaping with their lives. They made their way back to Daggerford. And, uh, but, but alas, their trusty steeds were missing. How, like, what a bummer. And desperate search through the veil finally came to Frution. Frution? <laughs> Frution. Well, anyway. It's fruition, Phil. The what? word is fruition. Fruition? Oh, uh, a desperate search through the Vale finally came to fruition. They found their horses in an unwanted reunion with an old foe. Remember the bandito? The bandito looking for revenge. And an epic battle ensued. Dude, hillbillies versus heroes. It was epic and awesome. Fire bolts and firm handshakes were ready. Glaive sandwiches were served, dude. And dead bodies were bestrided in a very manly fashion. Overrun by cousins, dude, and hounds. Our heroes, they were falling one by one and all seemed lost. And like everybody was dying, dude. It was like so messed up and all seemed lost as a total party kill seemed inevitable. 
like they were just done. And but before Jake fell, he cured Cullen's wounds. And when the dust finally settled, dude, Cullen was the last one standing. I mean, barely, but he was. He was standing. I mean, like, are they gonna bid the Grim Reaper? A fond farewell? I mean, screw that dude, man. The Grim Reaper? And what is a Rocky Montage? And why does it involve... It's montage, Phil. Uh, montage. Well, okay. What is a Rocky Montage? And why does it involve chasing chickens? That's not cool. And where did the leprechaun come from? Seriously, where did the leprechaun come from? I wanna know. And what is wrong? I mean, really, what is wrong, dude, with ending a massacre with an atomic wedgie? Well, who knows? Let's find out in this episode of Scourge of the Sword Custards. How'd I do? Night falls on a campsite along the Delambeer route. Clouds obscure the emerging stars, and in the gathering darkness, the spark from a flint ignites kindling inside a ring of stones. The glowing firelight illuminates a severely wounded Cullen McGregor. The flickering light also reveals next to Cullen a spear stuck in the ground. Atop the spear, sits the bloody head of a recently defeated bandit named Cletus. It also reveals, laying near the fire, Cullen's gravely wounded and unconscious friends. Tell us, Cullen, what are you doing? What are you thinking and feeling right now? Um, I think I feel, like, pissed off because we rocked right into an ambush even though we thought we were being very careful, we weren't. <laughs> and uh, we got our asses handed to us, basically. So I'm just pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is Cullen doing right now while he's feeling this? Last thing I did was uh, make sure that everybody was secured near the fire because basically we're all gravely wounded and we need to rest for at least one you know, eight hour period to uh, get our uh, strength back. So I guess what I'm thinking is like, I'm just keeping a watchful eye on the surrounding area. Of course, I'm going to have to sleep at some point, but everybody else is unconscious. So I guess I'll just have to- So you're gonna have a rough night. Pull, pull a night shift. I'm gonna have a rough night, but you guys should all wake up just fine in the morning. Hey, can I, um, can I roll a hit die? Yes. Go ahead and take a short rest and roll a hit die to regain some of your hit points. One. God, what a joke. That was almost a 10. Oh, man. So I'm back to 18 from 36. How the hell with it? Ah, uh, oh, two. This sucks. Eight. Finally, something decent. Finally. Did you spend all your hit die, all four of them? Yeah, I did, <laughs> but I had to. I had to get up to my max. All right, so as the night goes on, Cullen continues to tend to the fire uh, and himself. 
while his gravely wounded friends lay unconscious, barely clinging to life. Now, I would like all the unconscious folks to make a constitution check. Rot row. Okay. So, behind the clouds, a half moon makes its way slowly across the night sky. The fire flickers in Cletus's dead eyes as blood slowly drips down the shaft of the spear. For several hours, Cullen has been keeping his eyes and ears peeled as he keeps a lookout for danger. When suddenly, Cullen, you hear Elric stir and then quickly set up. Hey there, Elric. Looks like you're feeling a little bit better. <laughs> oh, man. Just a little. That was some fight. You are terrible, Peely Wally. What? <laughs> means you didn't feel well. Oh. <laughs> so I'm up. I'm awake. So what do I do? Okay. So you, uh, you quickly realize that, uh, Elric, you are in bad shape. Okay. Uh, as you only have one hit point now. So you can uh, go ahead and roll some hit die if you'd like to take a short rest and regain some hit points. So here we go. Nine. All right, cool. All right, so Elric tends to his wounds as Cullen throws more wood on the fire. And a couple hours later, Jake's eyes open. So Jake, your body is racked with pain. Uh, you slowly sit up and see Cullen and Elric sitting around a fire along with Cletus's head on a pike. That's good <clears throat> because I was worried about my tutelage and Cullen and the last thing I remember is resurrecting Cullen and then Cletus taking me out. So it's good to see his head dripping from a pike. <laughs> I like that. That means we survived this thing. Hey, it was quite close. Quite close indeed. Good show, boy. It was all I could do. It was all I could do to keep you from dying. So what happened? Did we all die? All of you. <laughs> I was alone. But thanks you. thank you for the resurrection. Well, I, it was obviously it was necessary. He <laughs> may have well saved all our lives. Well, you saved all of our lives. Thank you. I feel like total hell. <laughs> Twas a group effort. Twas a group effort to make me feel like total hell. <laughs> it takes a village, you know. <laughs> so I get that, more of these if you want to hear it them. It takes a village and a whole ton of band-aids. And then I look down, I look down and I see all these death saves that I <laughs> failed. <laughs> wow, that was a close one. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Two failures and one success. Like a hot kiss at the end of a wet fist. Where is that DM when you need him? Where are you, DM? What can I do? <laughs> all right, all right. So while you guys uh, are reliving this uh, almost total party kill, Esmir stirs and slowly sits up. Okay, so I see Colin. I say, Colin, is anybody dead? Hi. <laughs> well, you are all very nearly dead. 
Okay. But so now we all made it. you're doing much better. Oh. And then she's going to sit up and then she's going to look around. She's like, oh, shizzlebots. We kicked those bandits' butts. We were awesome. <laughs> that was cool. Now I need a snack. <laughs> or so I'm going to pass out. <laughs> All right. Everyone's up and alive, uh, if barely. And it's been about five hours since the battle ended. So it is the middle of the night. And now that everyone has at least one hit point, if you take a long rest now, you'll you will gain all the benefits of a long rest. Well, okay. So what I would like to do is, um, oh, we would get the benefits of a long rest. Yeah, because when you wake up from consciousness, like you just did, you yeah. um, you come back with one hit point. And as long as you take a long rest, starting with one hit point you get the benefits. But if you start so a long rest without a hit point, you don't get the benefits. And would the benefits that I would get all of my life back? Yes. All of my hit points? Yes. Okay. Then I would like to roll over and get some shut-eye. Okay. So uh, is that what you guys want to do? Take a long rest now? Yeah, so I'm going to set an alarm. Okay. So Esmir does her alarm ritual and sets an alarm. And what does that do again, Esmir? Um, uh, I pull out a tiny bell and a piece of fine silver wire. Um, but I actually fashioned it into a necklace. So it's like on one of my charm, one of my necklaces. Um, no, no wonder you're blowing all your stealth saves. No, because I put it, Got a I bell put around it underneath. I know, I'm not dumb. <laughs> I'm a gnome. Not a ding dong. Listen, Buster, I'm stealthy. Um, and I say, Asha, Hasha, Hasha, Sha. And. <laughs> and give it, give it, give it. And I choose a door, a window, or an area within range that is no larger than a 20-foot cube. Until the spell ends, an alarm alerts you whenever a tiny or large creature touches or enters the warded area. When you cast the spell, you can designate creatures that won't set off the alarm. You also choose whether the alarm is metal or mental or audible. Well, I'm going to make this one audible so that we all wake up just in case I'm like a little groggy. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So an audible alarm produces the sound of a handbell for 10 seconds within 60 feet. All right, cool. Esmir uh, sets her alarm spell around the campfire and thankful to be alive, you guys settle in for a long rest. Yeah. And I'm gonna go ahead and take this time to award experience points to you guys. Cause it's been a while since I've uh, awarded any experience. Actually, the last time uh, when you uh, was when you guys defeated the tiger in the ancient treasure vault. You mean Tony? Wow, we killed a lot of things since then. Yeah, so I'm gonna- Since Tony the tiger. Right, so that is a total of 3,850 experience, which is 963 XP each. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Do we go up a level? No. No. 
You're at uh, almost 5,000 right now, and you need 6,500 to get to the next level. Did you give us extra credit points for killing your hillbilly friends? <laughs> and for the excessive amount of banditos that we had to kill? Well, that was all the banditos were worth 900 experience total. Wow. Shoot. We got to kill some more of those guys. And I'm going to go ahead and also award you guys uh, all the gold that you have kind of stored up. That also includes the gems, uh, cashing in the gems that you found. So that ends up being 489 gold each, right? 19 silver, 22 copper, and 23 electrum each. So 1,956 gold. Is the, is that from all of the treasure that we found in the castle, the ruins? In the treasure room, mind you. That's just the cash money. That's just, That's the, just cash the cash money, right? Ca- gotcha, cash, okay. cash and gems. Okay. Because we still have the urns. Yes. So that's only six hundred and seventy-six <laughs> a piece. We're like, roughly. we're like all like halfway dead, but we're all like counting our money. <laughs> yeah. yeah counting right. your money. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Re- let's recount that. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. We're loaded. We can afford a nice place and a lot of fine drink and food and dagger food. Yeah, I need to get. I need a breastplate, man. <laughs> a breastplate. For my dueling style. I need to go to a toy store. That's true. I'm gonna buy lots of toys, and I'm gonna get <laughs> some more ball bearings because those were always those are always fun. Yeah, they worked. They worked yeah. well. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I need to buy my own <laughs> quill. Yeah. I'm sick of borrowing Esmeralds. <laughs> I need like a whole okay. bunch of them. Shoot a bird. Yeah. yeah, I think you. I think the thing is, the thing is, you'll be able to buy one, but the question is, are you gonna remember to bring it with you next time we leave? No, no, I probably won't. <laughs> I, oh, I, that's what I need. I need ginkgo. <laughs> okay, so are we are we sleeping yet? Because Esmir wants to talk to the troop about something. Yes. All right. So as you guys are dreaming about how you're going to spend your treasure, the rest of your night passes uneventfully. Okay. And you all finish your long rest in the late morning. The day is crisp and clear. And you prepare to head to Daggerford, knowing that the comforts of civilization uh, await you at the end of today's travel. Ooh, some cheese. Cullen's got cheese in his backpack. Oh, yeah. Slice up some of that cheese for breakfast. Cheese? Remember, you bought some hard traveling cheese at the Cracker Barrel, ye old Cracker Barrel. Hard traveling cheese. (laughs) I think now would be a great time to eat that. Yes. It's a wedge of hard cheese. Jake, Jake can share some of his Jake juice. I gladly share my Jake juice, even though I don't think that you should start drinking Jake juice before 11 a.m. Mm. You or Just us saying. or you? <laughs> you. You guys. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sneaking pretty it. sure I'm I've sneaking seen it behind you taking swigs of that. Um, so we still have the campfire going and, uh, Colin's cutting up some cheese and I want to take a vote because remember those, it's something's been bothering me is those, uh, those ivory towel, tiles that we got. Remember those ivory tiles? I can't talk today. No. 
They are ivory in tiles. Col- Colin's backpack. They're in Colin's They're in my backpack. backpack. Okay. Tin ivory tiles. Pro- no, no. I remember he said that these were worth a lot of money. Right. However, do you know where ivory comes from? An elephant. Yes. Yeah. So Esmir has a problem with the ivory tiles. If we trade those, then we're only going to perpetuate the ivory trade. So Esmir really, really strongly is encouraging us to burn the ivory. Well, it's in my backpack, so I think I'm going to just get the money for this. Okie dokie. This this elephant's already dead. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Esmir is not very happy about that. And she doesn't know what she's going to do about that. You can, uh, you can always donate your portion to some sort of charity. Mm. Esmir's changing the subject. Uh, I want to roll my, um, I want to toss up my fluff ball. Okay. I got to toss my fluff every morning, you know. And do, do, do. Badge, badge. Badge. Cool. What's up, little buddy? How you doing? Look, Badge Badge is here. <laughs> and then um, Asilius is going to come back to join us. Okay. And I will do the same thing with uh, Ray Ray. All right. Excellent. Oh, Ray Ray. Score. And then I'm going to roll my port- yeah, portent that right now. A three. That might come in handy. And give me a 20. Oh, three and a five. I like those twenties. rolls. Okay. Okay. I think that's all my morning rituals, right? I got. I'm gonna fluff up my hair a little bit too. Put some more sticks in it. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna take out that. some old ones. Put some new ones in. I gotta take some old ones out. Comb out. Like I just gotta get some of the blood out of my hair too. Let us now depart. All right, so you guys leave the campsite and head to the tradeway, and then turn south. Daggerford is about 30 miles away, uh, and if all goes well, you should arrive uh, in the late afternoon, early evening. And then um, Esmir is, when, we, when we're riding on the horse, it's gonna lay over the saddle on her stomach because my ass is still, her ass is still burnt from that fireball. <laughs> that she hit her ass. So she's just gonna- Oh yeah, when you hit yourself. So I hit myself. And so I'm gonna lay (laughs) like that and complain a lot. And besides being uncomfortable, right, from your sores and bruises from yesterday's fight, the ride south is uneventful. And around late afternoon, you crest a hill and you see your destination lie before you in the distance. Daggerford. Daggerford. <laughs> You'll never see a more villainous hive of scum and degradation. From this vantage point, you can see the Delambia River shine and sparkle in the sunlight as it flows into the Lizard's Marsh and then into the Sea of Swords. And sitting on its northern bank is the walled city of Daggerford. Anticipating that you should be there in a few hours, you spur your horses forward. All right. Okay. Come on, clippity clop. Hoppa! Yip yip! I keep my eye peeled on the near distance. 
ready for any jeopardy that may befall. All right. You continue down the tradeway, and several hours later, you turn and enter the caravan grounds, and you immediately notice how it's changed in the almost 210 day that you've been away. Smoke billows up from the many campfires as you see that the refugee camp has doubled in size. Oh boy. And you see that mm. parts of it have become more like permanent structures. Yeah, lumber has been used to erect more uh, larger and more stable shelters. It's still a mess of people and their measly belongings, but it's kind of turning into a settlement of sorts. Interesting. Okay. It's almost like it's almost like it's becoming like a little section of Daggerford, like but without the safety of the walls. Yeah, it's like a, a Hooverville. Yes. Or the you suburbs. also notice some halflings with food carts uh, handing out vegetables and cheese to the refugees here. And you also see that the Daggerford militia has a presence here, and there are several guards on the bridge that leads into the city. Oh, we could go talk to the guards, but I think I'm going to stop and talk to one of the halflings serving various cheeses and breads. Okay. You approach a curly brown-haired halfling who is rearranging some of the food on his cart there, and he looks up at you and smiles. How you how you doing? <laughs> I got a few questions for you, little wee folk. Hey. No. Well, hello okay. there. Roscoe Hard <laughs> Cheese at your service. What can I do for you? Um, I see that the, that this is turning into a regular settlement. Oh, you can say that again. Word's gotten around, and more refugees arrive every day from all up and down the Sword Coast. And without money or any options for shelter, people are doing the best they can with what's available. It's quite a predicament. I did the did the uh, Duke change his tune? Last I heard, he didn't care for the refugees. Well, unfortunately, no. He still banned any more refugees from entering the city. Not that the city could take any more people. It's wall-to-wall packed. Has he tried to run y'all off yet? Well, no. Though he's probably thought about it, though. Mm. It's been pretty chaotic lately. But thankfully, Sir Estival and Curran Corvalin and the Hard Cheese Halflings have donated coin and food to keep things from getting any more dire. You are wonderful people. Oh, so you're not making him pay? Oh, no. We're here to help these poor folks until they can get back into their homes and farms. I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder and say, you're a good man. Hey, it's going to be trouble when these people run out of food. It's going to be trouble for everyone because they're not working the land. You know, they're going to, everyone's going to start running out of food. You got that right, mister. These terrible raids have to stop and soon. Otherwise, the whole Sword Coast will be in turmoil. I'll toss a coin to this hard cheese halfling. Okay. So I thank you, sir. No, thank you. You're doing a fine job. Keep up the good work. And then I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, well, since we're all standing here, uh, m- maybe you guys can back me up on this. And I nudge the cheese guys. I'm like, 
do you consider yourself small? And he says, well, no, because I'm fully grown. And then I go, right, so you're technically not small. You're a fully grown being, yes. <laughs> and so I look up at them guys. <laughs> I'm like, we're not small. <laughs> we're, we're fully sized. No, you're short in stature. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with your tininess, you see. Well, you just call them small. You're, oh, you small little folk. You small little folk. I didn't say that. I turn my back, I roll my eyes, and I start walking toward the gate. <laughs> I don't need this right now. I follow Jake. <laughs> so you head up to the gate, to the bridge that crosses the moat, and the uh, guards hold up their hands for you to stop. Oh, right? And they say, by orders of the Duke, the city is closed. What's your business here? We've come to see Sir Estival. We're friends of his. And then one of them seems to recognize Elric and says, Hey, that's, that's the, you're the guy who took down Grangle. Aye. <clears throat> that is me. Oh, Sherlin's been uh, told us to keep an eye out for you, so come on in. This is my party. They're coming with me. Cool. And then as you're driving by, the guy says, nice armor. So shiny. So shiny. (laughs) As we drive by. Thank you. (laughs) I'm still laying over my horse's saddle. And they just like kind of look at you like, because she dead? I burned my ass, okay? It hurts. You got any ointment? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or unguent. Perhaps an oil. All right. Oh, you're as, a doctor and now? As you're riding past and talking about Esmir's uh, burnt ass, the soldiers call out. Oh, if if you're going to see Sherlin, she's probably in her office or the drill fields. Okay. They're right next to um, each other. We'll head for the right. drill fields. So let's go to the drill fields. Okay. So you enter Daggerford, and though it's definitely crowded and full of activity... Everything seems kind of calm considering the circumstances. And you turn east along the wall and head towards the drill fields. Soon, you start to hear the sounds of construction as you near Kern's uh, place or project that he was telling you about, right? His shrine to Tamora, uh, Lady Luck, uh, Fair Fortune Hall, he called it. Ah. And as you turn the corner, you see a flurry of activity. There are a bunch of people working on the hall. Humans sawing and nailing wood. There are um, several dwarves working on the building, right? They're carving and chipping away at the stones that make up the building's facade there. They're carving beautiful designs into the stone. It's, uh, you see that it's a smiling lady and you can also see a dwarf carving a saying above the door in common. It says, a copper to the lady returns tenfold in gold. And out in front of all this- He's a crook. This guy (laughs) is a crook. And he's a crook for sure, but he's probably something worse too. Karen is a good guy. No, he's not. He's the friendly little hobbit that showed us around town. He took us to the Lady Luck Tavern. That's that's how they get you. And out in front of all this, supervising this work, you see Current. 
And the halfling is looking over some plans when he notices you. And he looks up and he says, by the luck of tomorrow, look who's returned. Hi, twas no luck. Was hard work, my friend. (laughs) It was more from the blessings of Agma. Tomorrow. And some heavy strokes of our glaive and sword. And I spit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He's a little cranky. A lot of blood, too, was in it. But, But no luck. No luck at all. Well, luck or not, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're back. After almost two ten day, Sherlin and I were beginning to fear the worst. But here you are, no worse for wear. Though definitely smellier than the last time I saw you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. We weren't lucky enough to have showers while we were gone. Killing people and saving towns and whatnot. Oh, saving towns, you say? Yeah. Well, I hope it's good news you bring back from Jolkin. Sherlin is anxiously awaiting any news. Let's go see Sherlin. Hey, let's go see Sherlin. Yeah. Oh, wait, before you go, there's good news concerning the pregnant couple you saved. They've had their baby. Oh, hey, that is good news. Did, the, did their child grow up to be a judge or something while we were gone? <laughs> what? We've been gone for two ten days. Maybe a doctor. Did they well, name her Esmir? He calls out John, and you see, working on the shrine's front door is the uh, expecting or was expecting father, John Bauer, and he waves, and then he goes inside to the shrine. And Curran says... I gave them both jobs here at the shrine. Turns out John's a pretty good carpenter. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> That's <Nice>. good. <laughs> that, oh, wow, that rings a bell. And he says, so what do you think? What do you think of Fair Fortune Hall so far? I think it's a beautiful structure, totally unnecessary, but a beautiful structure. <laughs> and the fact that you gave them jobs only proves that you are a very good man. Do you pay them? So... Hey, he's a good businessman. Of course I pay them. He's just... He's a good man in general. He cares mm. about the refugees. He cares about the the downtrodden and the not-so-well-off. So you're a good man. Um, your spirituality is a little bit awry, <laughs> but uh, you're a good man. And I pat him on the shoulder. What's What are you carving up there? Oh, it's the saying that we're putting above the shrine. Bless Agma. So it says, "A copper to the lady returns tenfold in gold." Oh, that's yeah. But you know, how are <laughs> you gonna <laughs> prove that? You know, it means that's... you give a little, you get a lot back. So, hey, buddy, you give and you receive. Don't you think that sounds a little shady? No, <laughs> of course not. Well, that sounds like what you're doing is charging admission. I am not charging the mission. <laughs> no, he's talking about the donation. It sounds to me like there's slot <laughs> machines around it's, here. Yes, Elric, you are right. It's a donation. It's a donation. In quotes, it's a donation. So where do you, where do you give the copper? Where is this lady? Well, tell me, how does the Church of Akma make money for all its robes and shrines and books and bindings? Hmm? Hmm? Uh... It actually, they become, they, they, it mostly comes from, um, 
people paying tidings oh. to oh. Uh, as tidings they make their, you call it that is so funny and it also comes in late book, late book fees you see stop <laughs> laughing at <laughs> <laughs> Hypocrite. You know, Sir Jake, after you left, I decided to do a little research on Agma. And then Sherlin told me you were from some place called Albion. And I discovered that Albion's in Cormir. And I found that Timora is quite popular in Cormir. Do you know why? Uh... Well, of course you do. You're a cleric after all. Well, of course I do. I'm a cleric, after all. Hey, but why don't you just go ahead and tell us, save the time? Because your religion's funner than his? <laughs> well, during the time of troubles, Temora's avatar appeared in Suzale and traveled to the lady's house, which was a temple devoted to her in the Koromirian city of Erebel similar to the temple I'm building here. Mm. And it is thought that her presence in that city spared Koromir from the chaos, which affected most of the rest of Faerun at that time. Well, I myself am from Suzel originally. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where the largest temple to Tamora exists. The largest temple what to didn't Tamora. What you know? I do know. I do know. I've seen the people come from there many times, and in fact, I've taught them because they were relying on luck and not knowledge, you see. <laughs> they needed jobs to use their minds, not empty pockets, filling copper into nothing. <laughs> and, oh. All right, so as you guys are having this heated discussion about Agma versus Tamora, the couple, right, the Bowers, exit the shrine and come right up to your group there with big proud smiles on their faces right and Denise is holding a swaddled bundle in her arms Aww. we're so glad to see you again we did get a chance to properly thank you none of this would be possible if it wasn't for you guys being at the gate that day we were so lucky Praise Tamora, they say in unison. <laughs> Praise, oh boy, and I just shake my head, but I and smile. And like, uh, Esmir falls down, she's like laughing so hard. Hey, it was, it's a, that's awesome. It was all gold that got you in the door. <laughs> well, actually it was your gold, Cullen, and... <laughs> It was actually your gold, Cullen, and it's a boy, and we named him Cullen. Aww. Aww. <laughs> the name will live on. There you go. You're going to have to watch that kid, because he's going to do some crazy stuff. Can we get a look at him? Let me see. Yes. And they show you the baby, a very cute little baby boy. Oh, he's so cute. And while I'm, while, I'm, while I'm looking at him, I slide a gold piece into his little swaddle thing. Hmm. But they don't see it. Nice. Oh, hey, um, can I ask the couple? Mm -hmm. Does he pay you good for working here? Oh, he pays us very well. And we have room and board here at the shrine. Okay. We've, we've been so lucky. Praise Timora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't really see. beat that, can you? You Not can't really can't. beat that. 
can you? You can't beat that with a book. No, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you earn no copper without knowledge. Then Curran says, Oh, oh, I, I almost forgot the other good news. Several days after you left, Sir Istival returned from Waterdeep. Cool. Yeah. Last I heard, he was at the shanties. You could probably catch him there on your way to Sherlin's office. All right. Huh. Excellent. To the shanties. Okay. To the shanties we go. <laughs> to the shanties we go. Uh, okay, as soon as Curran's out of earshot, I say to these guys in a low tone, I don't think we should talk about Harpshield Castle with anybody else. Okay. We're not going to. Okay, just making that clear, because the only way we'd know what happened to Alvin Gisson is by admitting that we found him where we found him. Okay. Right. There's nothing really wrong with admitting that we found yeah. Alvin Gisson. Um, we just don't want to mention anything else we found, you'll see. Well, we want to get our story straight, whatever we do. Okay. Okay. So you guys leave Curran and the Bowers and head north towards the shanties. Now, you know from the last time you were here, when the Duke was turning them upside down, right, looking for the bloke, that the shanties are where those of low economic status live, right? Many of the poor living in Daggerford uh, find housing here. And because of the influx of refugees, this part of Daggerford is pretty crowded right now. Uh, but it's not difficult to find Sir Istival in this crowded area, and you quickly find the paladin. Like a diamond in the rough, he sticks out from the crowd, right? And Elric, though you were quite young when you last saw him, you immediately recognize him. Cool. I'm going to send you a picture here. Okay. There he is. He is slender and tawny-skinned, with uh, dark brown hair uh, salted with gray. He wears beautiful plate mail, and centered in his armor is a clasp that holds a huge tooth that could only have come from the jaws of a dragon. Attached to this magnificent armor is a long flowing purple cloak, and uh, on his side hangs a greatsword. You also see that he is walking with the help of a cane and that his left leg is wrapped in a brace of sorts. You can also see that his armor is decorated with a symbol of a road winding its way towards the rising sun. You can see it right there in the picture. And if anyone would like, they can make a check to see if they recognize that symbol. I do. Uh, what would it be? A religion check. I'll give it a shot. Negative one minus negative minus one is zero. I completely <laughs> failed my religion check. What is gods? <laughs> How are gods? Elric was listening during his lessons. Uh, 21, 18 plus three. Jiminy crickets. Okay, so Jake, you know right away, and Elric, you remember right from uh, Jake's lessons on religions, that this is the symbol of the god Lathander, also known as the Morning Lord. 
He is the deity of dawn, renewal, birth, spring, vitality, and youth. And and coffee. He blesses those who plant new life and is often called upon to bless fertility and birth. Hmm. Now, with those high roles, you also know that some see Lathander as the neutral good aspect of another god, one that you are familiar with, Amanatur, right? The temple right next to the ducal castle is dedicated to this god, Amanatur. You guys visited that temple earlier when you were looking for Alvin Gissen. Okay. So it's a little complicated, uh, but basically they're they're like different versions of the same deity, right? Kind of uh, old school versus new school. Got you. Okay. Anyway, you immediately see that Sir Istival is not alone. He's walking through the shanties with another man, and here is his picture. Okay. He has dusky brown skin, brown hair, brown eyes, and he's wearing and he's wearing fine clothes of white and a very vivid azure blue. And on his head, he wears a matching turban. Now, from his look, you immediately recognize him as a Kalashite. And Kalashites are humans from the southwestern part of Faerun known as Kalimshan. It's a hot desert region, so he's definitely got like a Persian type look to him. And strapped to his back is a pack full of scrolls, and strapped to his side is a pair of beautiful silver scimitars. So you watch as these two men casually stroll through the shanties while having a discussion. And around them, you see children playfully scurrying about. And once in a while, you see one of these two men hand the children what could be coins or candies, maybe. Uh, It's hard to see exactly from where you are, but the children run off giggling with excitement. You also see adults about who bow or wave or smile at the two men as they walk around. And you soon notice that many of these adults and children here in the shanties also seem to be Kalashites as well. Hmm. Some sort of Kalashite refugee camp almost. So I shall walk up to Sir Istival. Sir Istival, hail and well met. Hello, my apologies, but do I know you, good sir? We met years ago at my father's estate. Uh, I am Elric Albion. His eyes widen as he looks you over. Little Elric? Yes. Harold's son? Yep, that is I. Well, what a wonderful surprise. Then a grave look suddenly comes over his face. Wait, do you bring ill news of your father? No, 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 he's fine. He's just uh, cranky as always. Uh, And at that, (laughs) a look of relief comes over his face. Uh, and he says, um, thank goodness. Well then, what in Lathander's name are you doing in Daggerford? We came here. We came here, uh... Your dad sent us to meet with you. <laughs> I just, exactly. <laughs> my, father's, uh, my father sent us. And he sent us here to look for you, to meet with you. To try to unravel 
the mystery of, or not the mystery, trying to figure out why the goblins are raiding all the villages. Well, at that, uh, Sir Istival smiles a little, and he says, I knew your father wouldn't <laughs> abandon me in my time of need. One could not find a truer friend. I think he's a little jealous of you, too. <laughs> oh, young Elric, please introduce me to your companions here. This is I call him McGregor. Clan <laughs> <Lana> McGregor. <laughs> this is Esmeralda, the, the, the gnome Esmeralda. Ah. Grokin Markivar. <laughs> the gnome. And then. The gnome. This is the white she's guy. A, she's a magic user. <laughs> this is the gnome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the cleric is Jake, of course. Pleased to meet you. Ah, yes, Jake. I think I remember you from when I was there in court. Yes, you're. Elric's tutor. We met many years ago, yes, that is right. Did you ever find a whoopee cushion under your chair when you were there? I did not. Hmm. And then Hadar interrupts and he says, Sir Istival, I, I see you have some catching up to do with your fellow countrymen. I will be off to Jolkin and bring you news as quickly as I can. Aha, uh -huh. wait, hold, uh, hold on. Bro. One moment. We've been to Jokin. We've been to Jokin. Perhaps you should stay and speak with us. You are the mercenary Sherlin mentioned? We sure are. Aye, twas us. We killed many a goblinoid. I am Jake. You are? And I hold out my hand. In greeting. To Sir Estival? No, to uh, this guy. Okay, he says, I am. Hold on, I gotta get the thing here. Hold on. Right. It's an interesting name. <laughs> he shakes your hand and slightly bows, right? Oh. And says, Pleased to meet your acquaintance, Jake. I am Hadar Karayaka. Pleased to meet you. We should find a we should find a private place to talk. If you have the time. Well, you can tell that since you mentioned that you went to Jolkin, Sir Istival has become very anxious and concerned. And he just quickly says, please, please tell me, what is the situation at Jolkin? I must know. The situation is calm. It is empty of uh, the villagers. It is empty of goblins. There's a feast of crows. It's very calm. The village of Jolkin was overrun. But we cleared it out. Unfortunately, no survivors. The goblins probably marched away most of the villagers that they did not slay. They marched them up to the forlorn hills to work as slave labor. We went to Jolkin and we discovered a dead priest uh, and a lot of goblins and we killed all the goblins that were in Jolkin and we left it just empty, just standing empty. Wait, so you're telling me that Jolkin is empty. There's nobody there. Well, there was ten days ago when we left it. That's right. Not a ten day ago. It was like a two ten days. It was like a two ten day. And you guys are you're telling me that goblins attacked Jolkin and took it over. Completely took it over, but we believe well, it was at the direction of the Red Wizards. There were signs that they were involved. Sir Istival gets up grave look on his face and he turns to Hadar and says, I told you I knew there was a greater evil behind these raids. He then um, 
He then turns back to you, Jake. How do you know this? We actually extracted some information from some of the, I believe, goblins who told us that the Red Wizards had um, ordered them, them, commanded them to do this. And they were the ones leading this kind of goblin raid on Jolkin and were the ones who ordered the the um, uh, the population there to be escorted away to the Forlorn Hills by their captors. Aye, but do you remember that the goblins we questioned, they didn't say they were taking orders as such. They said they were encouraged right. to do this. Encouraged. They had other words for it, like they were playing behind the scenes and not overtly in charge. That is correct. Well, that is definitely the way the Red Wizards operate in the shadows. And you guys can see or sense that Sir Istival's mind is racing, right? The stern look on his face uh, can't hide the dread or worry that you guys can see in his eyes. And he says to you, my greatest fear is being realized. I must know all that you know, but first, I must bring this dire news to Lord Flotion immediately. Okay. Together, we will inform the Duke. No longer can he sit back and ignore my warnings. And you, my brave friends, you have had a long journey, and you look tired and hungry. You have injuries that need tending. Yeah. And from the smell, a long bath is in order. Yeah. Yes, for <laughs> That's sure. true. We will discuss all that you have discovered and make plans tonight. Hurrah. If you would be so kind and escort our friends here to my home, tell my staff to see to their needs and tell Steena to prepare for dinner guests this evening. And before Hadar can even answer, Sir Istival uh, turns with a flourish of his purple cape and as quickly as his bum leg will allow, he makes his way north and Hadar turns to you and says, well, there you go, come. Follow me. Let us go to Sir Istival's home. Nothing like a soft bed after a long adventure. And then Hadar leads you through Daggerford towards the western wall. Okay. And it's about the middle of the afternoon now, and Daggerford is quite busy. Uh, it's filled uh, with people going about their business as you make your way through the city streets. And Hadar starts to strike up a conversation with you guys. He says, So, you are all from Sir Istavul's homeland, Kormir, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's where Strange. we are from, from Albion. The fief of oh, Albion. Oh, Albion. I've never been there, but I have been to Kormir several times. Such a beautiful country. Over my years, I have traveled all over Faerun, and Kormir's capital city of Suzel is one of my favorite cities to visit. Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure if you know, but I was a member of Sur Istvo's last adventuring party, the Company of the Sunlit Sea. Yes, well, a part-time member, I should say. Uh, I prefer to work alone. Hmm. Hey, so to just do you happen to know how Sir Istvo, you know, got the trouble with his leg? Oh, from the ancient green dragon that he that we all battled. I was there. It was pretty cool. 
<laughs> was it this last adventure that you mentioned? Yes. You could say that after that encounter, we decided it was a good time to retire. But with that lifestyle behind me, I can pursue my true passion. Cartography. Okay. Oh, okay. Making maps. Cool. Cartography, you say. Excellent. I like that. I like cartography. I like maps. You like to dabble in cartography. Jake. Jake, look at all those scrolls he's got. Nice. Yes, my good gnome. These are some of the many maps that I am working on. It also keeps me traveling and visiting new and interesting places. But I always make time for Sir Istvor when he needs help in matters that require, uh, let's say, a clandestine touch. Okay, what do you mean by clandestine touch? I mean, you're a spy? That sounds a little creepy. Spy is such as many negative connotations, but I suppose. Okay. If you must touch has a little bit of a weird Categorize me in a predetermined class, I guess rogue or Oh, rogue or spy or thief or something. Okay, okay. I didn't know. I thought you were like a magic user, but you're not a magic user. Oh, no. Okay. I was just trying to get a a feel for you, that's all. Well, how long have you been adventuring? Not long. Not long at all. Just long enough to kill a bunch of goblins and orcs and uh, have, die a couple uh, times. Die a couple times. He's been adventuring for about three ten days. <laughs> about three ten days. About a month now, maybe. I'm just starting out. Really? I'm just starting out. And you've already killed an entire town of goblins. We're fast learners. Well, they had they had the best training. Yeah, we didn't do it by ourselves. And we've got good teachers. Yeah. So what's the name of your little adventuring party here? <laughs> Super Fun Time Friends. <laughs> We're working on a title. The yeah. Albion X. Yeah. Albion, Albion X. Albaniacs. Albion the Bar. Albion the Bar. The Albonians. Albion the Bar. <laughs> I think we should be the... S.C.F. Watts. S.C.F. Watts. Screaming yeah. albinos. Screamin Super albino. colossal effing waste of time gang. Effing waste of time <laughs> That doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. No, it doesn't, but why does it have to? Well, the bards have to sing. We're not going to let the gnome pick ten names. <laughs> We're still working on it. Well, you got to have a name. <laughs> How will the bards write stories or songs about you? The, the the Albion Street Brawlers. We feel that we don't need a title at this time. We just need our actions to do what is right. Oh, boy. For Faerun. We could be the super friends. <laughs> the super friends. We're the warriors, man. The warriors. The warriors. <laughs> the warriors. We come out and play. The warriors. Warriors, come out to play. I get to do this again. All right, dude, this is Phil again. And wasn't that awesome? 
our heroes finally met the famous Sir Istavo, man. But there was no time for pleasantries, as Sir... It's pronounced pleasantries, Phil. Uh, oh, sorry, man. So there was no time for pleasantries, as Sir Istival needed to bring their dire news of joking to the Duke. And our heroes needed to take a bath, dude. I mean, that was just nasty. But anyway, our band of adventures, will they ever come up with a name that just kind of like rolls off the tongue? and is not copywritten, right? I mean, that's not cool. And what is a Peely Wally, dude? I want to know. And will Cullen Jr. become a judge? Or maybe like a doctor? And is Curran a crook? Or is he just like... There's no Q there, Phil. Oh. It's Curran. Curran. And is Curran a crook? Or is he just like a friendly little hobbit, dude? Oh, well, who knows? Tune in next time to find out, man, on Roll Radio. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roll Radio. All right. Our Scourge of the Sword Coast adventure continues here in Season 2. So why the different seasons, even though we're playing the same campaign? Well, as a game master... Uh, I try to arrange campaigns into something similar to, you know, books in a series or uh, seasons of a TV show to break up the story in a way that marks, you know, uh, advancements of the characters and the story that they're in. Because yes, we're playing D&D, but we're also trying to put it together and showcase it in a way that will also tell an interesting story. And obviously, you know, that's the goal of every game master, uh, to keep it interesting and compelling so that players, you know, can't wait to get together again and play again uh, to see what happens next. And that's the same goal here at Roll Radio. So in my mind, uh, season one was a uh, was to showcase the new adventures, setting out on a quest, uh, discovering a new city with new people, and getting involved in the dangers around them, and becoming a team. And through this, realizing that uh, they've only begun to scratch the surface of what's really going on. And that's uh, what will hopefully happen here in season two. The players will begin to uncover what's happening and become even more badass in the process. Because uh, that's what makes role-playing games so much fun. And it's also fun for me uh, to then arrange all that into a story that's fun to listen to. And of course, you know, this story uh, that we're telling wouldn't be possible without Wizards of the Coast and all the stories they put together for us to play. Check them out uh, at dnd.wizards.com. And what also helps tell the story is the music and sound effects. And those are all from the awesome library of Sirenscape. Check it out at sirenscape.com. All right, thanks again for listening. Uh, please help us spread the word through social media, uh, reviews on iTunes, right? And if you like our storytelling, uh, please consider supporting us. Check out our Patreon page. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And tune in to the next episode to see what happens when Sir Istival offers Esmir a booster seat. Uh-oh.